This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the guys start their Power 5 conferences previews with the ACC, starting with an out-of-the-box draft and picks and breakdowns later in the show. Question and answer covers the dunk contest versus the home run derby, as well as the NFL preseason versus the NBA Summer League versus the MLB's spring training. Today is Friday, July 22nd, 2022. Pleasure to be joining you on the TVS Network, wherever you listen to podcasts. DJ Dylan Jesperson here, joined as always by my main man, D.H. Dylan Holt. Dylan, how are you doing, man? Howdy. I'm doing good. I like surprisingly good. Like yesterday, I won the lottery. And I know it's a broad statement. I didn't win like the Powerball. I got like a $2 scratch off, won $20. Things are just on the up and up. The Cardinals are supposedly in these trade talks for Juan Soto. Like, I, if that happens, oh, my God. Just prepare yourselves, everyone listening to this show, because I will never not talk about Juan Soto, because that guy's incredible. Um, yeah, lots of fun stuff going on. The SEC Media Days have been going on this week, and uh, I love that so much. And it kind of eases into what we're going to be talking about. All the Media Days have been going on, I think around the conferences. I, I pay attention to the SEC. But we, we finally, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. We're finally getting into that college football talk this week, and I'm so excited to get started. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. We're working out some technical difficulties here before we started the podcast. But uh, I just wanted to point out, after all the crap I talked about baseball last week, all the crap I talked about the Tigers, and all the crap I talked about the MLB, Tigers are now 1-0 after the All-Star break, and uh, I was 2-0 in my All-Star picks. I picked the right home run derby champ, and I picked the right uh, All-Star game champ. So uh, after all of that saying I haven't been watching or anything, I went, uh, you know, it just goes to show that on this show, you get your most, you get the right takes, even if they're our most honest takes, you get the right takes. So uh, that's something to behold. Uh, today, as Dylan said, it's a special day in the Dylan and Dylan Show world because today begins our journey into college football for the rest of the summer. For the next five episodes, we'll be focused on one of each of the Power Five conferences throughout the show, making a nice little college football sandwich with a special conference-themed out-of-the-box draft uh, to start the show and then our preview of the same conference to wrap, wrap up the show. And it's a special year to be approaching this as the Power Five conferences because with all the news this offseason, the Power Five is probably soon to be no more uh, as the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have both had their top members poached by another conference, uh, depending on the governor of California, uh, what he has to say about it. Uh, still pending there, but uh, our first conference of the year is special because it's been by far the most silent of the Power Five conferences, and that is the ACC, the Atlantic Coastal Conference. Uh, Clemson picked a bad year last year to take a step back because with the depleted Clemson led to an ACC that looked depleted because of a pleth- despite a plethora of solid programs like Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, others. This year, maybe one of the most pivotal 
in the history of the ACC, and that is where we will begin what I am calling our 2022 summer of college football. Uh, so first up, as always, it's Dylan and Dylan show. So we're starting with the out of the box draft. The ACC will serve as the inaugural version of these drafts as we have one of each for each conference planned. Uh, the rules are simple and almost identical to what listeners should be used to. Snake draft, all time players from the ACC are draftable. The only difference is to change up the player pool, not have one person hog all like the quarterbacks, receivers, or what, whatever it may be. Each player must draft a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver, a defender, and then you get a wild card position. That could be any position. So uh, if, if you're upset we're not drafting tight ends and kickers, uh, maybe we will. Uh, maybe someone will will use their wild card spot there. But that is a freebie. Well, other than that, I think everyone knows how it goes at this point. Uh, I do have a coin in my pocket ready to go. So, I was going to suggest that you, you get to pick because you won the picks last week, 2 nothing. I still... I, I will use my pick to do the coin toss because, uh, it's, because that is how we do it anyway. But, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate that, but we're still doing the coin toss. You got heads? Yeah, of course. And it is a heads. Okay, so I have a question. Yes. If it's So, did they actually have to play in the ACC? Or could they be from a school that's in the ACC now? I think that's fine. I think it's fine because I think you're thinking of Miami is what you're saying. Well, there's a lot of schools. There's a lot of schools, but really it's Miami. Miami, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They didn't have to play in the ACC. But they're from an ACC school. Yeah, as as long as they're currently – that school is currently an ACC school. Okay, I'll take the first pick then. Okay. I want Michael Vick. He went to Virginia Tech. And Michael Vick, anytime I get to take Michael Vick, I'm taking Michael Vick. He's awesome. And I – I never really realized how great he was at Virginia Tech until a couple years ago. Obviously, it was a little while ago when he was a Hokie. And I remember seeing his highlights, and they talked about just how great he was. And he really he was kind of that revolutionary force in the football. I mean, obviously, we all know this with what he did in the NFL, but it started in college at Virginia Tech. Just an, a freak athlete, awesome quarterback, and, I mean – it's Michael Vick. It's Mike Vick. Like I, that was that was a contingency thing. I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to uh, count this. If I can count Michael Vick, I'm getting Michael Vick every day of the week. So yeah, I'll take Mike Vick, my first pick at quarterback. I'll throw it to you for your first two picks. Not a bad pick. Uh, I've taken Michael Vick in in best past picks as well, and I actually had him slided slotted as a wild card slot if I wanted to go there if I wanted to because not only did I have one quarterback ahead of him I had two quarterbacks ahead of him and I'm gonna make sure I get one of them because you could just still take one of them with the wild card give me Trevor Lawrence my guy give me Trevor Lawrence all day I think he is the best ACC quarterback of all time 10,098 passing yards and 90 TDs I mean Trevor was the man and I think last year with DJ Youngle you really saw the difference between the guy in Trevor Lawrence and a really good player because TJ, he gets a lot of flack and I'm going to talk about that later. He, he gets compared to what Trevor was. I mean, Trevor was a bona fide stud uh, national championship winning quarterback his freshman year. Uh, And so it's tough to live up to that sort of standard. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is not a normal type of dude. He was number one overall type guy. One of those just, you know, phenom type players. So, uh, and I think if you're starting a team right now, uh, in the NFL, Trevor Lawrence is right up there with the, the guys that you, uh, you're you going to want to start a team with because he's so young. Uh, but you give me an all-ACC team, Trevor Lawrence has got to be my QB1. So give me Trevor Lawrence. 
Let me get him. And with my second pick, uh, I'm going to go to the wide receiver because I got to get my guy. I got to get Kelvin Johnson. Uh, and in all ACC drafts, Kelvin Johnson is the number one wide receiver. All, other guys were listed. If, if you look up all ACC teams, there were other guys. You know, there's. I'm not going to say their names because I might want to draft them in, but with my wild card yet. But Kelvin, uh, in my heart, coming from a place in Georgia Tech that runs a triple option, he still ended up with 178 receptions. 2,927 yards and 28 TDs in his career at Georgia Tech. I mean, he is just, I mean, there is, he is a freak of nature to begin with. When you can be one of the greatest wide receivers in ACC history coming from a triple option offense, you know you're something special. I, I would love to see the numbers that he would have put up in like, just an offense now, just a standard offense now. He would have been he would have been putting up video game numbers. So give me Trevor Lawrence throw into Kelvin Johnson. That's a that's a deadly combo to start. Uh, I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. I like both those picks a lot. The Trevor Lawrence, I I thought about taking Trevor Lawrence, and that's a soft spot uh, subject in my heart because Trevor Lawrence should have been a Tennessee Volunteer, and that's I think that's pretty well known. If like you follow college football, should have been a Tennessee Volunteer, but obviously Tennessee was struggling. I can't blame Trevor Lawrence for going to Clemson. It was the right choice. I mean, he was a superstar. He's the best quarterback to ever play there. And, I mean, you can't blame the guy. Won a national championship and number one pick in the NFL draft. Like, he was the man. I And Megatron, I forgot about him because I never think, oh, yeah, Megatron went to Georgia Tech. That just leaves my mind. Um, I'm going to go with my running back with my second pick. Just moving right down the list. And I'm going to Clemson, South Carolina. I'm going with C.J. Spiller. I feel like in my head, he's like the OG Clemson player from like my lifetime that's like the really good Clemson player because he was a freak from 2006 to 2009, just a stud at Clemson uh, University. Almost 4,000 career rushing yards. And when I say almost, 3,547. I'd say that's almost. Round up, you get to 4,000. Uh, just a measly 32 touchdowns. That's a lot. He, he put in work at Clemson and go along with that. You've got nearly 1,500 receiving yards and 11 receiving touchdowns. An absolute stud. That's why I played in the NFL. Was so good with the Bills for a while. It feels like he was that first like real star player before Clemson became this dynasty that they are now. So I'm really happy to get C.J. Spiller. He also feels like the last like Clemson player. Him and, like, I'll mention him. I don't think you're going to pick him if you do. Fair enough. He, him and, like, Taj Boyd, they feel like the last, like, Clemson players, you could be like, yeah, I want to root for these guys because they're not, like, this dynasty and, like, everybody hates them. It was like, yeah, C.J. Spiller, Taj Boyd, they're cool. Now it's like, yeah, I Clemson, I don't like you. Uh, but, yeah, C.J. Spiller. Then my third pick, I'm going to defense. I'm going with the greatest cornerback of all time. He's the head coach of Jackson State now, Deion Sanders from Florida State. Greatest corner of all time in my book. I mean, Dion does it all. And I feel like, actually, I'm going to call this my wild card spot because Dion can play both sides. Put him at receiver. Put him at running back. He can return the kicks. I mean, he does it all. It's Dion. He awesome NFL player, awesome at Florida State. I mean, it's prime time. There's not much more for me to say. You guys know. It's prime time. Dion Sanders to go along with CJ Spiller and Mike Vick for my first three picks. I'll throw it to you for your next two. I love those picks. CJ Spiller was definitely on my list. Don't for, yeah, both of those guys could go in the wild card. I actually wanted CJ Spiller in my wild card because he was a deadly kick returner. Two thousand fifty-two kick return yards, seven touchdowns, and then five hundred and sixty-nine punt return yards and one touchdown. So I forgot that. 
completely left my mind. I remember it now, but yeah. He was, I mean, and you were completely right. Uh, back, Taj Boyd, CJ Spiller, that Clemson team is the last, like, cool Clemson team. Since then, they've been actually, like, Alabama-esque and, you know. I love those picks. Obviously, Dion uh, can't go wrong there. Uh, with my next pick, I'll snatch up uh, my running back. I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook, Florida State. Uh, another current guy, but I, I think when you look at his body of work and what he did at Florida State, he was so good. I mean, he was just – and you forget you forget sometimes because you, you think of him now as a Viking more than you do as a Florida State Seminole. But when he was at Florida State, man, 4,464 yards – 46 rushing touchdowns in his career. I mean, that man was just a, a touchdown every time you touch the ball. Uh, other than when Michigan played him and he just, like, dropped the ball, uh, there's a great highlight of him just, like, I don't know, he just, like, forgot he was carrying the football and just dropped it. But, like, other than I mean, Delvin Cook is just everything that I look for in a running back power, speed. You can catch it out of the backfield. You can basically do everything. That's Delvin Cook. I love him. Uh, I'll take him at my RB1 spot. Uh, and then – for my, I'm going to go with my wild card here. I'm going to go with another wide receiver. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm going to go with a quarterback. I have to go with another quarterback for my wild card. Uh, and if I, I'm going to get both my one and two for quarterbacks. Uh, and it's in the same vein. It's Lamar Jackson. The same vein as Mike Vick. But Lamar Jackson, obviously Heisman winner, 9,043 passing yards, 69 passing touchdowns. 4,132 rushing yards, 50 rushing touchdowns. Uh, I mean, he was Mike Vick on steroids, and that was the only reason Mike Vick got bumped down in my list. I was like, I had Mike Vick first, and I was like, oh, wait, Lamar was just Lamar. You know, Lamar was just like Mike Vick times a 1,000 to to an extent. Uh, I think Mike Vick was maybe more talented still at the time, but Lamar, what he did, I mean, he was a freak uh, at Louisville. So uh, give me Lamar Jackson. Uh, and give me who did I? Who else did I just take? Delvin Cook. I I can't, I can't believe. It. Yeah, give me Lamar Jackson. Give me Delvin Cook. Uh, rounding out my offense. I'm gonna have to take a defense here with my last pick. But uh, I'll throw it to you for your next one. So with this pick, I tried to look up stats for a guy, and it's from a long time ago, and he literally doesn't have stats on College Football Reference. So. When I pick him with my last pick, you're not getting any stats. But with this pick, I'm going receiver. I'm going from North Carolina State, my namesake, Tory Holt. He's the man. I, I walked around Livingston Central Middle School or Livingston County Middle School back in the day with a Tory Holt Rams jersey, and I wore it with so much pride. People would be like, whoa, Holt, that's your last name. I'm like, yeah, I know. It's my dad. Tory Holt is my father. And people would believe me. If you've ever seen Tory Holt and me, you know. We don't look exactly alike, so a little bit different. Um, yeah, Tory has some stats. Man. You want me to fill in the stats real quick? No, I've got Tory stats. Okay. The my last pick, I don't have his. Got stats. you. Uh, Tory Holt. It's like it's specifically like his last two years at NC State. Which remember, this is 1997 and 1998. You're not exactly having the spread offense. 62 catches his junior year, 88 catches his senior year, a thousand. Almost 1,100 yards, 1,099 yards as a junior to go along with 16 touchdowns. As a senior in 98, 1,604 yards to go along with 11 touchdowns. He finished eighth overall in Heisman voting as a wide receiver in 1998. I mean, that's incredible. I 
I've always known Torrey Holt was just a freak of nature. Cause I mean, he played on the greatest show on turf with Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce and Marshall Falk and all, all those great fellas. But I was, I just thought he was always cool. Cause like he had the same last name as me. You see the stats he put up specifically NC state. And then what he did with the Rams, absolute freak of nature. I mean, I got to take Torrey Holt. He's, he's one of my people. Uh, and then with my last pick, I'm going defense. And like I said, I mean, Torrey Holt's a throwback. This guy's even farther back. Back to 19, I think 77 is what it said. From the University of North Carolina, Lawrence Taylor. I mean, you go on College Football Reference right now, which I love this website so much. It helps me out a lot. The only stats it gives you is interceptions for Lawrence Taylor. And he had two of them. I'll get that. That's all. I, I have those stats, too. You want me to give those? What, the two interceptions? No, I have Lawrence Taylor's full, like, tackles and stuff. I lost you. Uh, he had 192 tackles, 21 sacks, 10 forced fumbles, and two interceptions, like you said. Holy cow. That's incredible. Like, the numbers speak for themselves. And, I mean, it's LT. Like, I, I'm sure a lot of people listening, they might have never seen him play like me. Like, I've just seen the highlights. I've seen I, I've seen the first play from the blind side movie. Like, you know, like all the, all the common things with Lawrence Taylor. You just know how great he was. It's LT. He's the guy that kind of set up this whole renaissance of pass rushers that we see now. He was the OG one. I mean, it's Lawrence Taylor, one of the greatest football players to ever lace up a pair of cleats. Absolute icon, Hall of Famer, and I got him with my last pick. I am A-OK with that. Joining a team of Deion Sanders, Torrey Holt, C.J. Spiller, and Michael Vick. I will throw it to you for your last pick. Obviously, love those picks. Uh, Lawrence Taylor, definitely one of the one of the guys I had down, and Tory Holt, another guy I had down. Calvin was just get a, a spot up there. Uh, with my last pick, I got to go defense. Uh, you picked both, uh, or you picked one of my guys. There's a a ton of really good defenders in the ACC, and I didn't actually realize that until I was looking this up, and that's why I was able to put this off. And I still have to make a decision, and I'm going with more of the. The one that I think will get more votes, more than the one that I want to, I will bring him up in my honorable mentions. But I got to go Julius Peppers from North Carolina as well. Julius Peppers is for everything that Lawrence Taylor is in like stature and what we know about Lawrence Taylor. It's like, oh, he was feared. Julius Peppers was that like in the 20th century at North Carolina or the 21st century at North Carolina, I should say 167 tackles, 53 tackles for loss, 30 and a half career sacks at North Carolina and five interceptions as a defensive end. Who, what are these North Carolina defensive ends doing, getting all these interceptions? I don't understand if that's like a part of their scheme. It's from 76 on to like 2004, I think is when Peppers ended up playing at North Carolina. Uh, also had two fumble recoveries, uh, five forced fumbles, and played basketball at North Carolina as well. Scored 21 and, uh, and grabbed 10 boards in an NCAA tournament game against Penn State. Uh, Julius Peppers is an all-around type dude, and that's the kind of dude I want drafted on my team. That's going to round up my team of Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Dalvin Cook, Calvin Johnson, and Julius Peppers. Did you have any alternates that didn't make your list? Of course. Aaron Donald from Pittsburgh. Um, James Conner from Pittsburgh. Um, you got Devontae Parker from Louisville. I mean, I could name people all day. DeAndre Hopkins from Clemson was one that came to mind. Jameis Winston is someone that I nearly went with, but I, once I was allowed to take Mike Vick, I was like, I'm taking Mike Vick. Um, 
who else? Uh, Nick O'Leary from Florida State. I really wanted to take him, the tight end from the Jameis years, but that's because I thought we were taking a tight end. I, when I read the text earlier, I just I was reading it. And I was like, oh, we're taking tight ends. I wasn't paying attention, but I was like, O'Leary's going to be my tight end. Um, yeah, I think that's all my alternates. My problem is I don't write down these people. I just have them in my head, so I could go on all day. But, yeah, those are the ones that are coming to my, my brain right now. What alternates did you have? So the big alternate that I had, the defender that I was talking about, was Dre Bly. He's another former Lion. He was a, the cornerback, again, at North Carolina. North Carolina has a weirdly deep history of good defenders. Uh, 20 career interceptions, including 11 in one season. Imagine your corner comes away with 11 interceptions in a season. I don't know, like... That's insane. That's absurd. I don't know how more people don't talk about that. How do you get double digit picks in one college football season back in the nineties when they weren't playing like 15, 16 games, they were playing like 12 at max. So uh, 20 career INTs, nearly 200 yards of interception return yards. Like that's just an absurd number. I wanted to pick him. Just people just don't know who Dre Bly is compared to Julius Peppers. So I I, I had to go with Peppers. Uh, Mike Vick was on there. CJ Spiller was on there. Warwick Dunn, Florida State, another guy that growing up was a big one. Sammy Watkins from Clemson, kind of right on the precipice of like really good Clemson uh, and really. And then Charlie Ward, Florida State, back in the day, uh, I felt like had to give him a shout out. I don't think he really uh, fits with the, the newer school, but. If you want a Heisman, you should probably be on this list uh, somewhere. So at least give him did the you know, Did you know he was the first ACC player to win a Heisman? I did not know that. He was. Yeah, I learned that today. I And I, there's some weird stat about he was one of the only players to win the Heisman that ended up playing two professional sports because he ended up playing for the Knicks at one point, uh, at playing basketball. So it Charlie Ward was an insane athlete, but no one's going to discredit that. It's just uh, a little bit before his time. But, yeah, he had nearly 6,000 passing yards, 49 touchdowns back in his day. But uh, awesome stuff. We'll get those teams up there for you to vote on here pretty quickly. Next up, the question and answer segment where we lay out our biggest questions. Let each other take a swing at answering them. Take a quick break from college football. First up, DH, I'll let you go first. Uh, What's your question this week? It's fitting you say we're each going to take a swing because my, my question has to do with baseball. This past week, or this week, however I want to say it, uh, we saw the home run derby, and it was electric in my opinion, but I'm not going to get too much in my opinion right now. I have a question for you. Which is better, in your opinion, this is purely Dylan Jesperson's opinion, which is better, the MLB's home run derby or the NBA's slam dunk competition? So I will get to my opinion. I have a lot to say about this. Obviously, I I think it's pretty obvious. While I do think both the dunk contest and the the home run derby have taken a swing up in the past couple years back from where it was, I think it was at an all-time low in like the the 2015 to 2020, um, it still has lost a bunch of its luster from when we were young. Like it was a, it was a real big deal. Both the, the home run derby and the dunk contest were must see television. Now it's not like, I'm not torn if I miss either. I I feel like I can get to it. That's part of just like the age that we grow up in now where we can rewatch stuff. Uh, and it's not that big of a deal to watch stuff live. Uh, it's also just like, we're not, it's not as fun. You know, we've changed it a little bit and it's, it's, it's lost a little bit of its luster. Um, 
I feel like the general consensus is probably the dunk contest, just because basketball is more popular than, uh, than baseball, so more people just like watching that. I feel like it's a great – both are great examples of the leagues, where the leagues are, and what their problems are. So for the MLB, I feel like their biggest hurdle right now is delivering the authentic baseball feel we all know and love while also inviting younger players to the game. So with the home run derby, you know, they're changing the rules to make it so, you know, there's there's the new time aspect and the bonus time and all that. Um, and while it's still the same, it's still the same home run derby. In essence, you're still just trying to hit home runs. They're trying to make it, you know, a little bit more fun. Well, I think the dunk contest is like the same. It's like the NBA is so far ahead that sometimes it changes too much. And it takes a little bit of time for the fans to really like level out with it. So I think for me, in my opinion, the dunk contest is still the better event just because the potential for what it can become. I think the home run derby is like very consistently what you see is what you get. Like you're going to have, you're, you're going to get the same thing. You're going to get the big guys coming in and hitting the big home runs. Uh, and if you want to go watch that, that's, you're going to have fun watching that. Uh, for the dunk contest, you know, they have to rely on the younger talent a little bit more, but that kind of gives you a little bit more of a variation of what you get in terms of the product. You know, if you told me, you know, Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine back in whatever it was, 2016, 2017, we're going to put on the best dunk contest of the last decade. I probably wouldn't have believed you, but that's kind of what you get with the NBA because it's a rotating cast and not the not there's no LeBron, there's no KD out go, going to do it. You've got these new talented guys that can come out uh, and put on a show and do something you haven't seen before, and that's kind of the thing. It's like every dunk contest, there's an opportunity for someone to do something we haven't seen before and do something crazy and make that memorable. Like, oh, I remember that dunk contest from Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine when they that all the home run derbies kind of run together for me. They're all good. You know, they're all about, you know, they're all really good and I have fun watching them, but they're all kind of the same. It's like the biggest stars of that year go out and have a a fun home run derby. Uh, So I think it's just in terms of like what the event can be. I still think the dunk contest is the better event because it has the potential to be the bigger event. Like it has the potential to change like Twitter and all that for a night where the home run derby is like. It's real. It's all reliable. It's like when the home run derby's on, you know what you're gonna get. You're gonna have a fun night of watching guys just mash baseballs out of a out of a park, and they're gonna make looking hitting 450 foot bombs look easy. And that's you know, I, I, it, 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 it's a different type of feel. I still think, and that's where like I think the dunk contest just that extra excitement factor gives it to it. But there's pros and cons to both. I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about it. So, back in February, I wrote an article on TVSportsMag.com about how about how the dunk contest had a problem, and it's because this year's dunk contest was really bad. If you remember, I mean, it was like historically bad, like maybe the worst dunk contest ever. Like it was just really, really poor. I talked about how it really didn't have star power. Like they, Jalen Green was in there, and he he's not quite ready for that stage yet. Cole Anthony was in there. Cole Anthony's a fine basketball player. I think Cole Anthony's got a great future ahead of him. Not a premier dunker in the NBA. And I don't know who the other two guys are. I'll put my hand. I think Juan Toscano Anderson was in there, and then it was somebody else. Obi Toppin. All those guys are fine. They, It was not a good 
dunk contest. I, it just wasn't. And those guys weren't quite ready for that stage. So the NBA, the dunk contest is put on the highest pedestal on Saturday night of All-Star Weekend with all the eyes on it. Those guys weren't ready for it because they're, they're not the big names. And guys like Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine, they stepped up even though maybe uh, everyone didn't know their name. They weren't household names to NBA fans yet. But they were able to step up, use their athleticism to take over the internet, like you said, in a night and become names that everyone knows. And even if, like, Levine's a very good player. Aaron Gordon, very good player. They're not in the top 25 of the league probably, but a lot of people know their names because of what they've done in dunk competitions. On the other hand, you've got the home run derby. And I sat here last week and I said, I hope the MLB – addresses the home run derby as like a passing of the torch. And they kind of did, in my opinion, where you've got a guy in Albert Pujols, you've got guys in Juan Soto and Jose, uh, Jose, Julio Rodriguez. And uh, you've got these two young stars and you've got Albert Pujols. It could be a passing of the torch. And we got to see matchups, Albert Pujols against Juan Soto. Juan Soto talked about Albert's a guy he looked up to and getting to go against him in the home run derby, knock him out. And then in the uh, finals, you had Julio against Juan, two of the brightest young stars in the league going at it in the finals of the home run derby, and obviously Juan Soto taking it home. I think it's – this year, in my opinion, I think the home run derby was just so much better. And obviously it has a special place in my heart because I got to see Pujols' last home run derby. He beat Kyle Schwerber in the first round and then went head-to-head with Juan Soto and nearly beat him. Soto had to use that extra time to finally get a uh, – ahead and uh, take the lead and obviously advance to the finals. But seeing the respect given to Pujols, it was really, really neat. And the MLB was able to create those moments that kind of took over the internet. It wasn't maybe for the whole night, but it was for a few minutes where you saw all the posts about Pujols getting the respect or with that first round, right when it started and Julio just hit 30 and it's like, whoa, some people might not have known who Julio was. And it's like, okay, this guy might be for real. And by the end, obviously everybody's like, yeah, the, Seattle's got something. So I think that's a unique perspective. I, I think you're right, though. I think the home run derby normally, it's all reliable. This year, I think they're able to, like, what we've been saying, how the NBA creates stories. The MLB was kind of able to create stories with the home run derby, where it's like, yeah, you've got guys like Albert Pujols that are in the twilight of the career. That are kind of, he's one of the greatest of all time. But that's bringing the eyes in. You've got these young stars. You need to check them out. The Juan Soto might be the next Albert Pujols. Who knows what Julio Rodriguez is going to be? That guy looks incredible. And they obviously, they made all uh, the comparisons to King Griffey because he was so great in Seattle, did so great in those home run derbies when he played for Seattle. And they made all the allusions to that, which is exciting. And if the MLB can continue to do that, they're going to make fans of, or people are going to become fans of Juan Soto. They're going to become fans of Julio Rodriguez and all the other guys in the field, Ryan Acuna, Kyle Schwarber, all those guys, they're awesome. And I think it comes down to kind of your flavor of the week. We talked about it last week with Miggy and Pujols. It's, it's kind of what you prefer. And obviously, as a baseball fan, getting to watch people mash home runs, it's, there's nothing better. And it, the MLB was lucky. On Tuesday night or Monday night, Monday night in L.A., the ball was flying. I mean, just flying out of Dodger Stadium. And it was just – it was perfect circumstances. Now, obviously, you're not going to get that every year because it's outside and the weather plays a huge factor. Um, and the NBA, a bad slam, slam dunk contest is not going to affect the NBA because the NBA has got to a point where everybody loves it and they're going to be like, all right, whatever. We're, we're going to watch the All-Star game tomorrow night and it's going to be awesome and whatever. But uh, I think for me, at least for this year, I'm going with the home run derby. I, like, it entertained me for three hours. Like, I looked up and I was like, holy cow, it's been three hours. The dunk contest, I turned it off. 
this year. So I think this year at least, and maybe we can do a running score as time goes on. I'm giving the 1-0 advantage to the home run derby right now because I just I think it was significantly better this year. But that's just this year overall, a lot harder. Yeah, I think just it it just shows like what I was talking about with the two events in in general. It's like the home run, the home run derby is all reliable and and sometimes you're going to get those really special home run derbies but uh the dunk contest is boom or bust you really have either like a really really entertaining one or it can be a it can be a dud and, and it can really flop we've seen more than our fair share of flops in our in our in our time covering the NBA but uh fun stuff there, my question also revolves around some comparison between the leagues. We're going to answer another one into the into the conversation though with the NFL, and we're talking preseason because it's very close to NFL preseason time. We just wrapped with the NBA summer league. MLB spring training didn't happen this year because of the uh, uh, <laughs> negotiations between the the players and the owners. But my question compares the three preseason. Uh, leagues and what you think of them, your opinion on them, the NFL preseason, the NBA summer league, or the MLB spring training, what's more entertaining and who do you think does it the best? Uh, Dylan, it's on you. Oh, I just gassed up the MLB big time. Sorry. It's the NBA. The summer league is the balls. Like it's awesome. Like I love the NBA summer league. And I think it's because the week before is the draft and you're all hyped up. You're like, Oh my God, the the Pistons, they've got this awesome future. Like, Holy cow, the Rockets, like, what are they going to do? They have Ty Ty Washington, Tari Eason, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green. They have all these guys. And it's like, Oh, guess what? They're all going to be in Las Vegas next week, and you get to watch them kind of try to figure out. It's really, really exciting. You get to see the guys that weren't drafted, but you know of them because they were superstars in college. Like Johnny Juzang uh, got to play for Utah in the summer league and earned himself a contract. You get to see that. It's familiar faces, and it's almost like it's not a college game, but a lot of the games are played like college games because that's what these guys know. And it's really, really neat. It's not the prettiest basketball, but it's still, I don't know. There's not much going on because the MLB, it's getting close to the all-star break. So there's like, there's games on every once in a while, but it's basketball and it's all day for like a week and a half. And I love it. I always go out of my way way to watch the summer league. And I just absolutely adore the summer league. I have never went out of my way to watch a spring training game or an NFL preseason game. I think every year I watch one NFL preseason game and it's the hall of fame game. Everybody's like, oh, football's back. No, it's not. Football is not back. I have bad news. The preseason game usually sucks. Like, it is no fun. It's like, oh, yeah, you get to watch Big Ben for a drive. Maybe not anymore. Big Ben's retired. But you get to watch whatever quarterback for a drive, and then he's on the shelf, and you get to watch a guy that was the quarterback at Eastern Michigan. And he, he'll play the rest of the game against the quarterback from Sam Houston State. And it's just ugly, and it's not fun. And, like, I'll get the recap on hard knocks the next week. Like that's kind of the, my mentality with the NFL preseason. And like, obviously I'll keep up with the Titan stuff. I'll be like, okay, who's performing well? Like did anyone get hurt? But I'm not going to go out of a way to watch NFL preseason. I would have to be very bored. Like baseball's still going on. And then with uh, MLB spring training, I'll keep up with like how the Cardinals are doing, but like basketball's on like regular season NBA or March madness. Like I'm not going to go out of my way to watch spring training, but NBA summer league, I do. I, I'll go out of my way to watch the summer league because the summer league's cool. I like it. It's not, it's not to the quality of NBA basketball, but it's kind of like a college basketball game. Like it's, it's like a fun, like a little bit better college basketball game. It's not quite to the NBA quality, but it's just, it's good fun basketball. And you get to see all the future stars of the NBA 
in Las Vegas or Utah for like two days and they just ball out and it's a ton of fun. So yeah, summer league by a million, but I want to see what you have to say. So for me, I, I always, so this is how I approached it. And it, it, it relates to how I answered the last question as well. Uh, I feel like with the MLB, you know, almost stuck in time in one point and the NBA modernizing like rapidly the nfl used to be able to split the gap perfectly between the two uh, or at least football in general i would say we're able to split the gap between the two and there was like that sweet spot uh, football could perfectly live in the middle uh it was like a little bit newer but also had that tradition that we've always had uh, and i've always like i i, I liked the preseason i i don't know it's like this this feeling that we have right now where it's like, okay, we're getting to football season. The preseason's like a taste of football. Like you said, it's not football's back. It's just the taste of football. That's like, okay, we're there. We're like at the finish line. We're getting there. Uh, We get to see, you know, a lot of times we get to see like rookies and stuff like that. Uh, Back in the day before there was a summer league, it it was the NFL preseason all the time. Uh, Now, especially with like the shortened preseason, I, no, I, I really do not care. Like I, I don't think anyone even plays. Uh, and I'm happy for the guys who go out and like make a team during preseason. But even that seems few and far between nowadays, like personnel choices are made in like July and, and in June and like way before preseason in August. So uh, more and more of that just goes away. And, and like you said, meanwhile, the NBA has just made the summer league, fun to watch uh, they do they do so much right and that's the point it's like they moved it right to after the draft like you said so it's like oh you see all these get players get drafted oh well now you get to see them with their new teammates and their new system uh playing together so uh, uh you want to try out some new rules like a sudden death overtime hey why not i mean these games don't actually matter no one really cares who wins the summer league championship uh so why not try out something cool and fun like that and maybe we can solve problems that the nba has and they've done that type of stuff i think this new nba like foul rule that they they implement you know the new fast break foul rule where you get two shit i'm pretty sure that was a rule in last year's summer league that they tried out i'm they do that all the time to see how things will play out uh, and it works. And that's what, that's what you should use a, a preseason like that for to get guys, uh, get your young guys time and on some spotlight and some shine uh, while also trying out new things to help your league go. So uh, I think the preseasons like the home run derby and the dunk contest are reflective of the identities of the league as a whole. Uh, as the NFL has become more buttoned up and, having an identity crisis and we're like, we'll have group celebrations, but if you even look at a player the wrong way, we're going to flag you. Like, I think they're just lost in where they go, where the NBA is not lost whatsoever. They are, they have found their path. They have found their niche and they're exploding in it and they, they're doing so well. And I think that's why uh, it just shows in, in these types of ways, like the summer league, like you said, it's, miles ahead of the other preseasons. Spring training is what it is. Like you, you, kind of have put in an infrastructure where you kind of need that ramp up time for, for pitchers and, and, and catchers. And, and it allows uh, time for, you know, guys like, like Akil Badu was a great uh, uh, example of that last year where it's like, he was not going to make the MLB roster until he had a great spring training last year. And then the, why not give him a shot? So I think, even that, I think the MLB is starting to do that better now than the NFL does. So I think uh, the NFL 
I say all that to say I used to like the NFL preseason. I don't like it anymore, and I think the NBA Summer League is miles ahead of where uh, all the other preseason tournaments should be. And they should, like we say in a lot of things, uh, the other leagues should be looking to the NBA uh, as they move forward and try to change things about their things. Uh, All right. We will move on in place of this week in sports this week. We are – Giving our thoughts on the ACC, it's time to break down the Atlantic Coastal Conference for the 2022 season. I'll throw it to you, Dylan. What are your thoughts on the ACC this year? The ACC is weird because it was like kind of trash last year, but it was fun trash. It was like trash like I went out of my way to watch. I was like, I want to see some ACC football because you never knew what was going to happen. So all of a sudden, Wake Forest was good, and it's like, what's going on? Clemson wasn't that good, but they were good. It's like, are they good? Are they not good? What's going on here? Um then you had Pittsburgh was awesome. That's like, whoa, where did they come from? All of a sudden, they're like really good ACC champions. Like, what is going on? Um, and I think this year could be really similar to last year. But I think a lot of these teams are going to come off to the national audience as better than they were last year. Whereas a lot of teams, they viewed the ACC as just like a bad conference last year. I don't think that's going to be the story this year. I think a lot of people are going to be like, this is a competitive conference that's kind of deep. Like, there's a lot of really good players in this conference. It amazed me because, like, just looking at the quarterbacks, they're like, it feels like every team's got a good quarterback in the ACC. You got Malik Cunningham. You got at Louisville. I'll mention the school's names. Uh, you got an ODJ up at Clemson, which who knows what he is. He played really bad last year, but who knows? He might turn it around. You got Devin Leary at NC State. Keaton Slovis transferred from USC to Pittsburgh. You got Tyler Van Dyke at Miami. Jordan Travis at Florida State. Phil Jerkovic at uh, Boston College. Brennan Armstrong is an absolute stud at Virginia. And those are just quarterbacks. And I, I think that's kind of the story of the ACC. You've got all these great quarterbacks at all these schools spread across the league. And I think that's really, really exciting. Um, obviously, my favorite has to be Clemson. I mean, that's it's Clemson. They, they might have the best defense ever. I mean, that defense is insane. It's the recruiting class from a couple of years ago where they had like Seven guys in the top ten, they're all five stars. They're all defensive players, and it's like, oh, my God, they're going to be incredible. Well, those guys are like sophomores and juniors now, and buckle up because it doesn't feel like anyone's going to score on Clemson. But Clemson lost both their offensive coordinator and their defensive coordinator in the offseason because Dabo Sweeney ran them out of town. That's the, that's the uh, narrative I'm going to run with because I don't like Dabo Sweeney, which has been addressed on the show many times. Uh, Tony Elliott is now at Virginia with old Brennan Armstrong, who I mentioned earlier, which would, could be very interesting to watch. And Brett Venables, the old defensive coordinator, went to Oklahoma. We'll talk about him in a few weeks. Um, some of the big storylines I'm looking out for, Keaton Slovis, the USC transfer, who I talked about last summer quite a bit, talked very highly about Keaton Slovis last summer going into last season. I was like, him and Drake London, they're the connection at USC. They're going to win the Pac-12. Obviously didn't turn out how I thought. Keaton Slovis got hurt. Jackson Dart took the job from him. Now Keaton Slovis is in the ACC at Pittsburgh. Jackson Dart isn't even at USC anymore. He's in the SEC at Ole Miss. We'll talk about him in a few weeks. Um, I'm excited to see how Ke- uh, Keaton Slovis gets slotted in, assuming he becomes the starting quarterback uh, at Pittsburgh, and what he does with that team after they lose Kenny Pickett and Jordan Addison who went to USC. It was kind of a trade. They kind of traded Jordan Addison for uh, Keaton Slovis, which is uh, kind of neat with the new transfer rules, how that kind of worked out. But, yeah, I, I'm Pittsburgh's so intriguing. 
And I'm really excited. Tennessee plays Pittsburgh week two. And I think that's a battle of two really, really good teams. I, I can't wait for it. I think it's going to, it's going to kind of set up the expectations for both teams as the season goes on. It's at Heinz field. I know it has a new name. I'm going to call it Heinz field until I die, Uh, but it's at Heinz field week two. And I think that's a huge game. Yeah. I think that, Clemson and Pittsburgh are two teams. It's like, what's going to happen? Like, can the Clemson offense finally get together? Is the defense going to be as good as they all, they should be, even though they have a new D coordinator? Um, and then obviously the quarterbacks, like I mentioned. Um, oh, and can Sam Hartman, the former QB one star, can he still get it done at Wake Forest? Is that like, was that a fluke year? Him and Dave Clawson just tearing it up at Wake? Or is like, is that just the thing now? Is Sam Hartman going to be a stud in the ACC? It's going to be really interesting to see. I have a few other names to watch out for in the ACC this year. I've mentioned the quarterbacks. Brian Breeze at Clemson, the defensive lineman, might be the best player in the country. That guy's a freak, a freak of nature. Like, you got to watch Clemson if you're a college football fan because they have so many good players. Brian Breeze, like I mentioned, Will Shipley, the running back, really, really good. Um, Tyon Evans at Louisville, transferred from Tennessee. He was my favorite player at Tennessee. That guy's a stud, running back. The read option with him and Malik Cunningham is going to be incredible. And I I would love to go to a game at Louisville this year because I think they're going to be a fun duo. Uh, a lot of people are saying Malik Cunningham looks really good in camp, and I I hope he does because Louisville, times haven't been great for Louisville football the past few years, and I hope things can turn around for them. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a fun season in the ACC. I When we were when we decided we were going to do this, I was like, man, ACC episode that I, I don't know if I can get really excited about this. And I started doing my research. I was like, I don't know. ACC's got something going on there. There's a lot of talent. And I, I think when it all comes down to it, ACC championship, I have written down Clemson versus Pitt. I'm going back. It's going to be Clemson, Miami. I think it's going to be Clemson, Miami. I think Tyler Van Dyke, Mario Cristobal. I think they take that step. Tyler Van Dyke. He's a guy that he's a dog. I think he might take that next step and be the guy at Miami and try to lead them back. And, I don't think he's the guy that takes him over Clemson. I think Clemson probably gets it done. And who knows? This might be the jinx they need. It worked, it worked last summer. Pick Clemson. They didn't win the ACC. I'll pick them again. So, yeah, I got Clemson winning the ACC in 2022. Uh, I want to know what you have to think about the Atlantic Coastal Conference. Yeah, so like you said, last year we both thought Clemson would roll. We didn't have much to say about the ACC other than we thought Clemson would roll, and it was going to be a lot like we'd seen in the past few years. We were very, very wrong about that. This is a- Clemson took a step back, and, and now, like you said, losing their their two coordinators, I feel like they're, while overlooked at the same time, more vulnerable than ever. Like they're more vulnerable than they've been since Dabo took over. Uh, so, I'm there's still the team to beat. First off, that's that's the first thing I should say. I mean, they were still a ten win team last year, and no one is in the ACC is recruited in the same strata. I mean, it's. Clemson's so far ahead in terms of like raw talent. So they should be another double digit win team this year. They should be knocking on the door of the playoff. I think a lot of it's going to rely on how DJ Uangale plays this year. Uh, can he be what everyone thought he was as a five-star recruit coming into Clemson? Like the heir apparent to t- Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think, like I said earlier, it's so tough to follow like a once in generation player like Trevor Lawrence. I think we overlook that. 
because these are just college kids. And it, it, as much as we think they've got it all figured out because, you know, they're, they're college athletes, they don't. And as much as we put the pressure on DJ to be the next Trevor Lawrence, I'm sure he was doing that to himself. And I'm sure that was a big part of what happened last year and why he didn't play up to his standards. And if he can bounce back this year, I think that makes all the difference, a world of difference. If they get consistent play out of him, they're going to be just fine. And they're going to be the team to beat in the ACC. Like we think they're going to roll. Um, another thing I, th- I think I said last year that didn't come to fruition. I think Miami is going to be really good this year. Uh, I think I bought into fool's gold last year and I, and Miami is like USC. They're like Texas. They're like Tennessee to an extent where it's like they're back and everyone just, they want to convince you and sell you that they're back. And then all of a sudden they just like lose to BYU or they get blown out by Bama. Uh, and, you know, it's just the same thing every year. But I do think Mario Cristobal is different. What he accomplished at Oregon was different. Uh, and the way that they've embraced the NIL stuff, it sets them up to be an instant contender. And I think this is I think if if anyone and especially Michigan and Jim Harbaugh is looking for why should we embrace the NIL? Look at Texas A&M and look at how Miami rebound this year. I think both of those teams are going to be really, really good. And it's because they went out and got really, really good players immediately. Like they, they upgraded what they could do because they, they decided to go pay some guys. That's what they did. Uh, and I think that yeah, they're going to see the, the, the fruits of their labor come to fruition this year. Um, you're high on Pitt. I'm, I think I'm low on Pitt. I think uh, coming back this year, uh, I, I think they're they're going to take a real big step back. I, I think they're going to go back to to being like kind of you know six and six, seven and five type team because Kenny Pickett was very good, Jordan Addison was very good, and I think this year just made them realize, hey, we don't belong in this pit roster. Like we belong in the NFL, we belong in USC. This is where this this is where the rubber meets the road, and 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 we really see how good the pit roster is without generational pit players on that team, because I'm not sold on Keaton Slovis. I, I wasn't too sold on him last year. I'm less sold on him now. I feel like with a quarterback like that, if he was going to stick somewhere, he would have stuck already. Um, so I, I, I think they're going to be in a bad spot, but other than that teams I'm watching, like you said, Wake Forest and Sam Hartman, I think they're going to be a pain in everyone's side. I think that's going to be, Every one of the big teams is going to have to deal with Wake Forest at one point. If North Carolina can figure out their quarterback situation, they could be a very, very good team. They're another team that has recruited actually surprisingly well in the past couple of years. Virginia's quarterback, Brennan Armstrong, might be the best quarterback in the in the conference. Uh, and he is like, uh, he was NFL ready last year, and then he came back. I'm really excited to see what he can do. And if Virginia might be that team that kind of, you know, makes makes some havoc, wreaks some havoc. Maybe they're on the precipice of being ranked at some point this year because they got a good guy. That's what you need. If you've got an NFL guy at quarterback, sometimes that's all you need, especially in a weekend conference like this. It might not be enough to get you over Clemson, but it might be enough to get you over North Carolina or, or you know, those other teams. So uh, I'm interested to see how Virginia plays this year. Uh, moving on for player of the year, you brought him up. I got Will Shipley from Clemson. I think that's the man. I think with Clemson 
kind of rebounding this year. Like I said, uh, I, I, I think they were still good last year. They just had, you know, a couple setbacks. I think Will Shipley is going to, you know, he obviously was a big part of their offense and the resurgence down the stretch last, last season. I think he's going to have a huge season for Clemson this year. And that's going to be a big part of why in the end, Clemson beats Miami in the ACC championship. Uh, and, possibly heads back to the college football playoff after uh, a short stint uh, not winning. This was the last, this last season Pitt winning in 2021. That was the first ACC champ, not Clemson since 2014. So that's going to be a tough, we'll see if Clemson can get back on another streak, something that like Florida that. State, Florida State. Yeah. yeah. I didn't say my player of the year. Um, I'm not going to say Will Shipley, even though it probably will be, I'm going to go Brendan Armstrong. I, I think, like you said, I think he's the best quarterback in the conference. I think there's guys like Tyler Van Dyke or Malik Cunningham who, who might have more potential. Those guys, I feel like there's still stuff like we don't know quite what we have with them. We just know they're really good. Brendan Armstrong, he's going to be in Tony Elliott's system. That's a system we've seen a lot of guys thrive in. And Brendan Armstrong's already been really good. So, I mean, like you said, it's hard not to be sold on what Virginia's got coming up because they, they should be in a really good position to succeed right away with Tony Elliott. So yeah, I'll go with Brandon Armstrong. Go Cavaliers. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, yeah. I forgot about Tony Elliott and that's a, that's a big uh, part of what Virginia is going to be bringing to the table this year. All right. With no this week in sports, that is going to do it for most of the Dylan and Dylan show this week. Dylan, you've got any final thoughts before we get going? I do. I have two. Um, one, I think a Juan Soto trade is going to happen. I think it will. And I almost made that my question this week about Juan Soto. I'm going to hold it off because I think it might, it, we might wait, have to wait until the trade deadline. So that might be coming in a few weeks. We'll break down the whole Juan Soto stuff. If it doesn't happen in between now and the next show, which as we know, when we record big things happen in between. So it very well could happen, but the Cardinals are very much uh, a range in this. So, just be ready. I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. If the Cardinals get Juan Soto, I'm going to be very annoying until October. Like, very, very annoying. And uh, we've gotten the college football spirit. This is my second thing. We've gotten the college football spirit with the ACC preview. We'll have a, another conference, another Power 5 conference next week. I, this past weekend, got a PlayStation 3. Shout out to my little brother, Eli. And I downloaded College Football Revamped, which if you don't know what that is, it's the mod for NCAA 14. I am like all in on college football. Like I've just living, breathing college football right now. And it's the best thing ever. Shout out to those guys. I just had to do that. Cause I, I've, I haven't had this much fun in years. I love it. I, I, and I'll tell you, I was the offensive coordinator at Tennessee for a year, won the Heisman with Hinton Hooker, won the national championship. And now Dylan Holt is the head coach at Wyoming. And I will give you an update every week until we win the national championship. So yeah, that's all I got. But yeah, college football revamp sick. I can't tell you how jealous I am because I have an Xbox 360 and literally today before, because I always start my day with a game of NCAA. It's the only reason I have an Xbox 360 still working. I start my day with NCAA today. My games, my HDMI, my stopped working. It just stopped displaying to my um, monitor. So I, Luckily, living back in Mount Pleasant, was able to go to a game, like a game trading uh, place, bought a, a brick a- Xbox for like 85 bucks. But I, I'm, 
I'm now, I, I just realized I should have just bought a PS3 and gotten revamped. I've, I've completely forgot that revamped was a thing, and now I'm kind of kicking myself. I felt like a, like a Russian hacker doing it. So I read comments on Instagram and read it, and they're like, yeah, it's kind of hard. And I was like, you know, I took computer science classes at Murray State University. I was like, I feel like I'm qualified to do this. It's not that easy. And I, I did finally get it done after a couple of hours. And man, I've never felt like that, like accomplished. When it popped up, the NCAA football 14, like switched to college football revamped on the PlayStation 3 home screen. I was like, oh my God. I like, I haven't felt that accomplished in a long time. And it's, it's so good. Like shout out to those guys. They are miracle workers. The best. Can't say enough about them. Yeah. It's couldn't recommend it more. Well, only one more year and we'll be playing in the next generation consoles, hopefully. So uh, that's going to do it from us at the Dylan Dylan show. Here is where you can find us. You can find the show at Dylan Dylan show on Twitter and Instagram. You can find tunnel vision sports on Instagram at tunnel vision sports, underscore TikTok and Twitter at underscore TV sports, Facebook and LinkedIn at television sports and on the web at TV Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great weekend and we will see you all next week. See you later.